0: Be sure to hit that subscribe button to make sure you get notifications when we launch a new episode, or you can join us live on Twitter Spaces, Monday through Friday, starting at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern. Every morning, and become part of the conversation yourself. Thank you again. We look forward to giving you the best Bitcoin content daily here on the Cafe Bitcoin Podcast. Doing really good, brother. I'm on the road right now, so doing this from my car.
1: I think this is the first time I've actually heard you do this from anywhere but in front of the computer, man.
0: Yep. Got to adapt. Sats so for life. Good morning.
2: Good morning, Alex. Good morning, Shane. Super stoked to have you on the show uh, talking about your race in Georgia. It's going to be super sweet.
0: If you are from Georgia, uh, tweet this show out today. Let's get as many Georgians in here as possible so we can spread the word. We want a pro Bitcoin uh, governor in Georgia. I'm big time behind that. I'm not from Georgia. But I'll tell you, I love this guy, Shane Hazel. He and I got a chance to meet in person finally for the first time um, at the Swan private event last Thursday at the conference. And I got to tell you, man, I immediately felt like he was my long-lost brother, kindred spirit from, like, forever.
3: Hey, Alex, um, I wanted to ask you, what's your favorite um, AR setup? How do you run it?
0: (laughs) um yeah i uh, just got a, a pretty standard i think i'm running like a 14 inch barrel i've got a, a recoil comp on it i'm right re- i'm using a um a sig dot side. what else yeah that's i mean it's, it's pretty basic i mean i'm not i don't know believe it or not my girl uh because I'm much to your AR than me. Um, I'm just good with it. You know, if I can bring it, and you know, aiming at I'm, I'm happy. Right on. Yeah, I was just curious.
4: I just want to know if you have a titanium boat carrier group. <laughs>
5: oh, I okay. You're a bit in the matrix, Alex. Yes. You're a little in the matrix. So, What's up, What's up, everybody else?
6: Godzilla, D.
7: Morning.
5: Peter,
6: Pavi. What's up? Good morning, guys. d Good morning.
7: Second cup of coffee coming in. Good morning.
8: Yeah, I'm about to go on my Fiat break. Um, I'm going to drop down a listener. Good morning, and uh, let's get this show uh, rolling.
5: You're the man, Decode. code Have a good rest of the day, man.
9: Not sure if it's just me, but has anyone's Twitter been all buggy this morning? I'm trying to reply to people, but uh it's having errors. They're putting in bugs. Is it Elon? Is it Elon? That's what I was going to say. Since Elon put his bid, they, uh, they're like... Uh, the, the, servers, the reception it. stays
0: good. Why don't we uh, dig into some... News items, Shane, we're going to talk about the news as we usually do for the first uh, little bit here and then um, we'll focus.
2: Awesome. Well, hey, let's go ahead and hop into it. As you can see up in the headline, he's back at it again. Elon Musk offers to buy Twitter for $41.3 billion to take company private. What do you guys make of this? What could be the outcomes here? Positive, negative? I also saw FTX uh, CEO commenting about how to turn it into a shitcoin wonderland. So if we have any thoughts on that.
7: So I just put Aaron Levy's uh, little comment up in the uh, nest, and I was laughing my ass off this morning about that.
4: You know, there's private companies all over the world, I think, like Coke, right? Private. So I'm not necessarily afraid of that. I I think the people that are most afraid of it are actually the ones that are, that do want to um, you know, control free speech, that type of thing. So you still got to have people run the company. So um, I'm not so certain that it'll be allowed, but it's certainly an interesting take. My guess is if he can't buy it outright, he'll, he'll, just start gobbling up shares that he can buy. The,
6: the problem I don't want to was, come across. Oh, you go, you go, Peter.
7: I was just going to say that the only problem I see with Elon is he is so free speech. I really would rather Twitter not turn into another porn site.
5: But it's like, wouldn't we just go to a different site? Like, I remember when, you know, MySpace was a big deal, then Facebook, and now Twitter kicks ass, but it's like,
6: if he bought it and then it just turns to shit, wouldn't we just go to a different app? Like, it is important, but it's like, at the end of the day, it's just a social app. You know.
8: It's also kind of already a shitcoin wonderland. I mean, we have a nice little bubble here, but it's like pretty shitcoin-y.
9: I just think he's kind of trying to buy the town square, right? And uh, just kind of protect himself from getting suspended or whatnot. But that's an expensive bill for that, I guess. You know, I,
4: I, I'm not a big fan in in some ways, but D, I don't think it's. Uh, and maybe you're saying that some, somewhat in jest. I, I don't think it's quite that simple. I think he actually does have uh, some interest in in you know opening Twitter up more.
10: You know, yeah. No. Providing I
4: totally free speech,
9: but yeah. Yeah. No, it's not that simple. Yeah, I was just throwing it out there, but um, I think someone was saying that it was quite quite a low bid, though, too, right? It wasn't uh, it? Was like. Uh, you know it's it's valued more than that but i guess you know you start low Get higher, right? No, it's, it's,
11: it was a genius game theory situation because he added a fifty percent premium. He added the Elon Musk premium to like a thirty-eight per share price. He came in and literally, you laugh, but it's true. He came in, he put the Elon Musk premium on it, jumped up to forty some odd per share. So he literally put that in. If you actually read the article or the the SEC filing that he made, if you click on that link and you go through it, it was some. It was. I'll be honest, this was some gangster shit. He basically referred to the actual chair, the 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 chair of the board, this Brett guy, refers to him specifically and says, look, I denied your chair on the board. I denied that. So that was cute. I hope you kept the seat warm for me. I added a 50% premium because I said I was going to invest in your company. I did invest in your company. So your company went up in value. And guess what? I will remove myself from the company. I will revoke the Elon Musk premium if you decide to not accept my offer. So that was some like on a negotiation level, that was some like some negotiation tactics I've never seen before. I've never seen somebody attack a company, then go buy a position in the company, then say, I will remove myself from the company and remove the value I added to the company, and you will lose value, and your stock will plummet because I will remove myself if you do not accept my gracious offer. So, like, I think that his offer, the fact that he didn't go below where his price was, below the premium he added to, to, to Twitter, like, I think it was around 38 a share, 50, 54.2 is pretty strong. Uh, if they don't accept that offer, they'd be foolish, in my opinion. Uh, and I think from a game theory basis, from like everybody in the Bitcoin community should understand the game theory behind this. He has 80 million followers. None of his companies have had to have any marketing, period. He reaches out to the entire world whenever he tweets. So this was just covering his his footsteps. He's, he's backing up his chess pieces with other chess pieces in a way. I mean, it's it, his what is the, the value of reaching out to the entire world at your fingertips and then knowing that they can't take that away from you? I mean, th- from a game theory perspective, this was brilliant all the way around. And now Twitter is forced into a corner where they have to accept it or they're going to go down with the ship.
9: Yeah, I can respect that. Sorry, I wasn't laughing at. Uh, I wasn't laughing at you. I was. I was laughing at the Elon Musk premium. So I appreciate uh,
11: um, the facts. The gap up was intense, but he literally like if you if you pull up the it's actually a really short little article. Uh, if you skim to the bottom of that article, that's where the savage stuff is. So go to his, his little tweet, click on that, and then there's a, the actual SEC fo- filing. But there was two parts of it. There was the the part where he addresses the the um, actual. Uh, chair of the board, and then there's the part after, and that's where he talks about the premium he added, and that he will take away that premium, he will reconsider his his investment in Twitter. I mean, to add yourself and then and then use that as a leveraging tactic is <laughs> is pretty next level. I, I I've I've never seen any type of negotiation like that, and you're talking about a forty three billion dollar buyout, like it's no joke. Don't you think rob
7: that it's that it's the responsibility of the board now to um, potentially entertain other offers before they i mean I know he said last and final, but you know that language can change, but don't you think it's time for the that the board has responsibility to their shareholders to try
11: to entertain other um, other offers yeah, but at the same time, like if you're in elon's position, i mean if I was in his position myself. I would be going, okay, well, if you, A, I will remove myself from the company, so you'll probably lose 10% or something at minimum. The stock will probably plummet a bit if I if I sell my shares. But then not only that, if you don't accept my offer, I'm going to go and build a different Twitter. And maybe, and and since you're number eight, I would argue he's number one when you talk about um, how much he tweets. Like, uh, look, at, look at the top 10 users on Twitter. He's totally right about that. Justin Bieber's up there. It's like t- Taylor Swift, like just a bunch of nobodies that never tweet anything. It's like they they you they have never even used the platform, really. They do like one tweet a month, one tweet a year. And he's probably number one when you talk about how active he is. So imagine he says, okay, I'm not going to use Twitter anymore. I'm going to build my own platform and I'm going to sell my shares on top of that. It's like he, he really, he's got them in checkmate. It isn't a stalemate. It's just, it's point blank checkmate in my opinion.
9: It seems like a very strong response or a strong stance. I don't know. I'm,
7: I'm, I, th- I think you are right it is very complex, so um
9: I'm interested to see what the
7: outcome is and you know twitter's twitter's uh has has uh denied uh, takeovers before i mean salesforce wasn't it was it last year that they were trying to buy it for twenty nine so this is a great premium
3: hey did I, I just shared up the nest you guys didn't see Justin son about two hours ago he's offering now sixty dollars a share instead of fifty four not That's what I was going to ask, <laughs> Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I, yeah, I go both ways on this. Um, it's funny because now the, the entire left before had no problem with censorship going on on Twitter. Now they're the ones in full meltdown saying, well, you just can't have have a small group in charge of this. So really, do, it, it comes down to do you agree with who's, who the, the political position a lot of times of, of who is taking over the company? you know, that, on where you stand on this. Um, he always has been more free speech, so I, I'm a bit ambivalent uh, for one person to control it all. Is it is it possible to
7: decentralize Twitter for, for an individual to take it over and then decentralize it?
3: Yeah, that's a great question, man. Great question.
9: I mean, it has to run on a server somewhere, right? So, I mean, it's still a point of failure.
2: It was actually the FTX CEO commented and posted his ideas on how that could be achieved. Let me see if
7: I can find that uh, for the nest. Because that would be that would certainly be the way to to protect uh, free speech. I mean, if, if it's decentralized, <clears throat> who are they who are they going to go to to stop it?
4: Well, you know, back to the one person owning it thing. I think as bitcoiners, if we really believe in, or if most of us believe in in true free market, I mean, all the power to Elon if he can
11: buy it. Is Tron even liquid enough to be able for this uh, uh, little this guy to get sixty a share on this? I mean, I don't think that guy's got fifty billion. Let's be real here. It, the, how, where is he gonna? What, what is he gonna do here? I think ICOs don't work anymore, don't they? I mean, what, what's Jason's Justin's son gonna do to get this money together? Uh, what do you think of that? He's got His, a money printer for finances.
2: <laughs> that is a whole lot of cash on hand, my friend.
11: And actually, Elon. From uh, when I, the more I think about it, it's like Elon's gonna. I think he's leveraging his Tesla position. I don't think he has that kind of uh, money on hand right now. What he he only sold off like ten billion or something like that, or fifteen billion, right? So he's probably leveraging his actual Tesla shares to make that um, purchase.
9: Do we know uh, what uh, Elon's um, share price uh, for Twitter is? Like you know, you know he bought he bought a bit back then. Is he up or down on that investment right now?
11: Up a lot. That's the that's the Elon Musk premium. He bought in at thirty eight, I think thirty eight, thirty nine, and 38%. he bumped it up.
9: Okay, gotcha.
2: Yeah, yeah, Pre- yeah. Fifty four twenty a share, and that's where Justin's son was saying he would pay sixty a share.
7: God, and here we are debating just this crazy super rich world of buying toys
11: <laughs> if, you, if you guys want the verbatim that he said uh in regards to to addressing the chair uh he goes brett taylor chairman of the board exhibit b here he goes i invested in twitter because i believe in its potential to be a platform for free speech around the globe and i believe free speech is a societal imperative for a functioning democracy democracy how However, since making my investment, I now realize the company will neither thrive nor serve the societal imperative in its current form. Twitter needs to be transformed as a private company. As a result, I am offering to buy 100% of Twitter at 54.2 per share in cash, a 54% premium over the day before I began investing in Twitter, and a 38% premium over the day before my investment was publicly announced. My offer is my best and final offer, and If it is not accepted, I would need to reconsider my position as a shareholder. Twitter has extraordinary potential. I will unlock it. So that, I mean, he says it point blank. He goes, I added a premium and I will take away that premium. And the premium, which he says in this SEC filing is 54% premium over the day he began investing in Twitter and a 38% premium over the day before my investment was publicly announced. So, I mean, it's pretty, pretty clear in there.
7: But Rob, he he's, he uses reconsider. So reconsidered, Lee's. That's that's quite an opening.
11: That's a passive aggressive backhand, if I've ever heard it. You know, it's like that's he's he seems to me like he's trying to slap him around. Yeah, to me, this is like
2: Hank Reardon making a play from like Atlas shrugged, and we're seeing it in real life. I mean, just with the way he's going about it, the flex. uh Him just pursuing his uh, personal aims, which he hopes in turn uh, benefits the populace, like reared in metal. It's just crazy, uh, the timeline we're on.
4: So Shane Hazel, I'm curious what you think about all of this. I know you're going to be featured here in a minute, but what do you think about Elon buying the whole thing?
1: I gotta tell you, I'm excited, man. As somebody who's been on Twitter for quite a while, um, and and kind of on the the political side of the spectrum, in in those spaces where Twitter, you know, if they don't like you, you get either shadow banned or people don't hear about you. Uh, I, I think this is kind of a, a place where you know, hopefully, he's looking at it. And if you look at kind of his history in terms of the tweets. You know, you know, what do you guys think of Twitter? You know, as a lot of his questions, do we need an alternative to Twitter? I think that was just a few weeks ago before he uh, before he went in there and and started. You know, I was nine percent of the company, and uh, I you read through the responses, and the responses are you know very much in line with like you know, yes, please buy Twitter from the general public and you know people who are using Twitter who are fed up uh, with the the algorithms and the censorship, the shadow bands. I mean, I don't know. Does it get better? Who knows? Uh, time will tell. But, I, you know, what this guy touches and what he does uh, is usually very, uh, you know, forefront in the thinking of, I think, most Americans and then groundbreaking uh, in terms of technology and where he wants to go. So, I mean, just just from the, uh, you know, from the free speech aspect of it, I, I hope, you know, if, if he's going to take this thing on, he's, you know, that's his main purpose is to make sure that um it's more of a free speech platform uh that people who want to be in this public space as a as a certified or you know a blue check or whatever the hell uh i I, you know he's he's talked about you know opening that up for people to to be actually you know certified and i think that's you know i think it's a pretty good thing but uh, in terms of like going out and possibly, you know, messing around in the shit coinery um, industry or, or, or propping up Doge or something like that, man, I, I hope that doesn't happen. I, I hope Elon, you know, is forth, you know, foresighted enough and, and understands Bitcoin enough, you know, if, if there's going to be anything going on on this platform, uh, it's it's Bitcoin and, and, and not this place that, um, you know, pushing, uh, especially like Doge and, and, and things like that. So. I I think this is going to be a hell of a net positive. I mean, I think you know, honestly, you know, this ge- it's kind of a genius move, um, you know, to come in with such a, a huge amount of money and kind of you know make that huge flex and put the company um, in 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 odds with their fiduciary duty and free speech, which is what they claim to be in the first place. I think that's absolutely just one of the ballsiest badass positions and we need a lot more billionaires out there uh, that are that are doing this kind of stuff because we don't have it I mean you look around and most of the billionaire class is pretty quiet or absolutely in line carrying water uh, especially the last two years in the most tyrannical you know government overreach that we've ever seen so good on Elon I, I hope he does well.
2: Man, awesome. Great discussion today on free speech and what's going on with Twitter getting us started today. Let's switch gears. Um, Spot Bitcoin ETF approval now very likely after SEC gives nod to new futures application. Now, this is what was interesting about this. The application was filed under the Securities Act of 1933 rather than the Investment Company Act of 1940, which head of SEC Gensler has preferred we go down here Gensler initially approved bitcoin futures ETF citing 1940 act stating they're better than 1933 products but this 1933 act futures ETF says safer and went on to argue that this strengthened the possibility of a spot bitcoin ETF so I was wondering what are your guys thoughts and maybe coming from a securities background if you guys could shed light on maybe uh compare contrast those two acts and how they could come into play
4: can anybody hear me are we working we can hear you man i think everybody's like uh maybe this is not in my wheelhouse
7: yeah i I got i got nothing Sorry
4: know, about I'm, that, guys. I, I'm, no, I'm, no it's know. fine. I'm sitting here thinking the same thing. I'm like, you know, obviously I'm thumbs up for a spot ETF, but I, I don't know a lot about the history of the Securities Act and all that stuff. So it sounds like good news to me.
2: <laughs> yeah, this is something we all right. We'll do some more digging on that and come back to that tomorrow and see if we can really put something together. There it just came out this morning. Uh, so let's go ahead and move here. Pantera Capital warns investors will flee stocks, bonds, and real estate this year, predicts massive Bitcoin and crypto rally incoming. This coming from Daily Hoddle.
7: So, next, hey, I, uh, <Sat>, I, I want to go back to that for just a second. I just want to say that this is this is one of the beauties of this Bitcoin Twitter space. When the individuals up here who are a collection of big brains are silent about something, That that says a lot. I mean, that's some that's some intellectual honesty right there. And that's a That's a good thing.
2: Thanks for that, Peter. And and as usual, we will go find the answers. Everyone here, I'm sure, is going to go dig on that and go into securities law and become a securities law expert over the course of the next week. Possibly that's just what we do.
3: Yeah, you know one thing I would say about the ETF because my understanding is it allows investors, you know, you investors have um, a position in Bitcoin without having to actually own the Bitcoin, and I think sometimes that's just right uh, for for uh, fractional reserving. Um, The whole point of it, as we all know is to own the actual Bitcoin, secure your keys. Um, I think there could be a lot more price manipulation on that um, with a spot ETF. But it, look, Bitcoin's gonna do what Bitcoin's gonna do. Uh, you know our position. You buy it, you secure your own private keys, you own it. It's a bare asset, man.
5: Pub, do you, would you think that perhaps Gary or the SEC are delaying it because they are worried about? spot etf manipulation is that do we give them any benefit of the, of the doubt there
3: yeah i get. i mean look what, look at all these exchanges you know we always had proof of keys day um and like this but hell we, who knows how many that are on the exchange and what that does to the price and i think the same can be done with, with a spot etf i just don't know what the sec is thinking
2: Now, we did have recently, right, that they're going to have to switch up their filings so that anything they hold on the side of the customer, say your Coinbase, those are now liabilities um, rather than assets held. So we're going we're gonna to see some interesting things play out in regards to being able to fool around with a verifiable uh, supply asset with these paper products. And, and then also with this new reporting structure coming into, into play.
9: Yeah, I'm not a big fan of ETFs. I mean, we're preaching the choir here, right? Just buy some Bitcoin. But uh, for, for uh, companies and stuff, obviously, this might be a big deal and uh, more money might flow in, which might be nice. Sorry, more cash, not money. <laughs> Um, was it, was it a, 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 are they looking at a futures ETF or a spot? I know you said, I know you said spot, but then you said, mentioned something about futures. Uh, could you just clarify that? Yes. Yeah, so they just
2: uh, approved another futures ETF that was under Tucrium Bitcoin futures fund to launch its ETF. It was just the fact that it filed under the 1933 Securities Act rather than the Investment Company Act of 1940. And they were kind of speculating on how this could maybe trigger a higher likelihood of spot Bitcoin ETFs in the future.
9: Okay, gotcha. Thanks for that. Appreciate it. Oh, no problem, D.
2: Here, let's go ahead and build on this.
9: Uh, after our customers, our
2: special guest yesterday, Alby, came on, Let's check this out. Bitcoin Lightning Network adoption balloons driven by a host of integrations. Six years ago when the Lightning Network was conceived, it was hard to imagine that we would be where we are today. According to Bitcoin Visuals, the number of nodes on the Lightning Network has now reached an all-time high of 20,106 compared to only 3,000 back in 2019. Guys, Lightning Network changing the world. We, we saw Mahler's. Uh, Announcement. What do you guys think about all this?
4: Yeah, I think this is amazing. There was also a um, tweet out that I saw this morning. The I think it was a CNBC reporter that basically using the Moon Wallet sent you know some sats over to uh, a um, Ukrainian living in Poland, and you know they just showed that whole thing. I watched it. I wasn't listening to the audio, but I mean that's that's just another proof of, of. you know, the adoption of this and how quick it is. And I guess the other piece to that is the person receiving it then I guess went to an ATM and turned that into, um, you know, whatever currency they're using there. So adoption is just massive. I mean, look at all these companies that are coming out.
6: Yeah. That's uh that's Mackenzie Sigalos. I think you pronounce it. She's uh, probably one of the most educated mainstream media rec- when it comes to Bitcoin and uh, cryptocurrencies. She's always in these rooms listening. Uh, Definitely recommend giving her a follow. Also, yeah, I mean, I think like as we saw last year, kind of the year of growth for the Lightning Network, I mean, what we're witnessing is basically that store of value medium of exchange like to unit of account switch in these upcoming years, especially I think as infrastructure is built to give people access to And I know some people consider this a shit coin, but uh, stable coins like you got to imagine, you know, we're experiencing reportedly, you know, whatever, 10 percent CPI here. But other countries who have 50 to 100 (laughs) percent inflation, they can't tolerate volatility in the same way. Right. They have different background, different amount of privilege. So these um, like this infrastructure that is being built on lightning. Is going to be huge in terms of driving adoption because it's going to further the user experience in a way that people will be using bitcoin as a as a payment rail without knowing they're using it and and companies and you know individuals can reap all the benefits of bitcoin without being in sort of like a forced huddle or sell position if they can't uh, tolerate the volatility so i think i think it's all very bullish and everything comes back home to roost on the bitcoin network
10: Awesome, Tomer or Peter, you guys go ahead. Hey there. Um, just when we're talking about Lightning, uh, I know there's a lot of people in the audience who may may not be using Lightning in any way, but are probably Bitcoin holders. They've got their coins in cold storage. You've also got some fiat somewhere for your spending money. I would say take up mentally take a percentage of that and convert it into spending Bitcoin, which will be Bitcoin on the Lightning network, and and start learning about. About it because so many of you I've heard from so many and there have regrets. Oh, if only I'd gotten into Bitcoin earlier, uh, you'd think you'd, you'd be better off. This is your chance to get into lightning early. It's not a different type of investment. You're still but you're you're starting to appreciate how the future of money is going to work, not just how the future of savings, but how the future of spending and how the future of billing and invoicing. And it's important to play around with this. Uh, there's two ways to use lightning. I'm going to recommend you use both. One the easy way is just to get a custodial lightning wallet, which is like a mobile wallet, like Moon or Blue or Wallet of Satoshi, and then you can send some Sats there or have somebody send some Sats there, and you're sending them on Lightning back and forth, and you're seeing that they're going instantly. But there, it's it's again it's a not your keys, not your coin situation, um, and and certainly not your node, not your learning how to how Lightning actually works. The second phase, which is more involved is to buy yourself one of these nodes, like the Start9 the uh, COS type device, um, and, and set the thing up and take your time. This is, there's no hurry. They're easy to set up, but they take time to set up because they actually sync the entire Bitcoin blockchain. And then you install like LND, which is the lightning network daemon, on top of it. And then you install a wallet on top of that and you run it remotely. And this is your own lightning node connected to the Bitcoin network, and one of these twenty thousand nodes, you, you you can there's like three hundred people in the room last time I checked. So if if only a few, of you have nodes, we can get it up to twenty thousand four hundred or so, or something. And this is your own self custodied uh, lightning channels where where you open up channels with other people and and um, and when and when you do, it's you who is like the bank in the in this banking system, and you're the one who's routing payments for other people, and you're the one who's able to open channels with other people, and you're the one who can move funds. back and forth. Uh, One of the things that I've, I've spent doing myself over the last year is, uh, is helping educate people. So if you do get a node and you want to get up and running, and then you need somebody to open a channel to you, you may not even know what that means, open some inbound liquidity, if that's confusing to you. Once you get on Lightning, Um, you'll want some inbound liquidity, which means you can receive Bitcoin because you can open up channels with your Bitcoin so you can send it later. But until you spend it or until someone opens up inbound liquidity liquidity to you, you can't receive. So if you think you want to receive, there's people out there and, uh, you know, I'm happy to help people. So if there's someone out there with a lightning node that's already up and running who's looking for some inbound liquidity, DM me. I'm happy to set up a channel with you uh, in the next couple of days. Uh, And just as you do, I just want you to know... um, there's there's lots of folks like myself who are happy to uh, stake some Bitcoin in the lightning network so that you can have inbound liquidity. So I'll, I'll stop rambling, but it's a learning curve. And the sooner you get on it, the more comfortable you're going to be, and the more of a teacher you will be and the more you'll know what's going on. And I'll stop my rambling there. It's amazing lightning.
7: Thanks, Tomer. I've now been tasked with yet another rabbit hole to go down. Um, There's been there's there's kind of been three events that have that have that have uh, culminated in what we're seeing right now. In my opinion, um, the Saudis talking about going away from the petrodollar with 25 percent of their oil. Exxon uh, going into mining, you know, we've heard Yellen and uh, Biden both talking about uh, crypto and Bitcoin in particular. Um, and from Yellen, some seemingly educated kinds of uh, conversation. Um, and that culminates with uh, Jack Mahler's, uh you know, The Boss, uh, integrating uh, Lightning into uh, NCR, Shopify and uh, Blackhawk. And the, you know, the culmination of this is I, I can only I can only say it in, in Jack Mahler's words. It's it's pawn to E4. I mean, this is an incredible, incredible move. And it is as uh, as uh, McShane was saying, I believe that this is the first step to normalizing the use of Bitcoin uh, for major portions of the population as uh almost as a currency, as a unit of account and and going forward with all of those things. I mean, we are seeing we are right now, I believe we are in the slowly and now suddenly we're at the very beginning of the suddenly phase. And that's just my opinion. Um, Just looking at these events and how things are going. It's so bullish.
2: Amazing, Peter. So you mean to tell me we can use quote-unquote rat poison as the unit of account and exchange and as a store of value? I'm On telling
10: you, I, do. Like, I, I live. I live that way for the most part already. Now, I have to go to the supermarket and pay with cash, but I try to live my life surrounded by as many Bitcoiners as possible. And we send money back and in- forth. Forth internationally instantly often on lightning most often on lightning and we don't even think twice sooner rather than later because once you start to experience it it's like anytime you experience something that's better dominant to the previous thing you you can't imagine like once you started sending emails to people you couldn't imagine getting out a piece of paper and writing something on it and sticking in an envelope and sticking on a stamp and walking it to the post office so that they could get it five days later it's just like you know it's obvious it's obvious what the better approach is here and and Lightning is just far, far better than anything else that has ever existed. Uh, and, and it's available now, right? So it's like the gradually and suddenly thing. Society may take very gradual, but once you start using it, you'll start in the slippery slope and you'll start thinking in terms of, you know, I can send, I can send you money instantly now for something that I'm doing for you or that you're doing for me or vice versa. And you can do that to anybody with anybody anywhere in the world Um, and you don't have a currency, which lightning will make you believe in it even more than you already do. Then you've got the currency and it's and it's done. You don't need you don't need to print out your email, uh, which, which is my equivalent to saying you convert your Bitcoin back into fiat. Right. Like you don't you don't need to do that. You've got you've got your email and you've got your Bitcoin and all is good.
7: Hey, Tomer. Um, is kind of an easy way to visualize the, how the Lightning network um, uh, works is kind of like um, how routing works on TCP IP,
10: except that there's an added layer of uh, liquidity that's involved? Yeah. If it's, if, I mean, I don't know how many people know how the Internet works, but it, it, it's kind of like an accounting layer. So on the Internet, if I'm sending, if I'm sending a voice packet to you, which I am, it's not going straight to you it's going through various ra- various servers on the internet who are receiving the message then sending it on to another met- one then sending it on to another um but in in the case of the internet they're co- they're copying the whole message and there's no co- there's no countervail other than to say i received the message loud and clear obviously with lightning because you're sending money <laughs> there is there's a debit for every credit so if i wanted to send you money on lightning and it had to go through let's say Pubby and Shane, then I would, uh, then the the routing would be, uh, let's say I'm sending you a thousand sats. I send a thousand sats to Shane. Shane receives the thousand sats. He sends the thousand sats to Pubby. (laughs) Uh, Pubby then sends, you know, Pubby then sends the thousand sats to you. So, and in the sending, obviously there's a subtraction. So Pubby receives the thousand sats from Shane. So there's always a plus and a minus. Whereas in routing Internet traffic, there's no nobody's paying um, th- with the information that they have. Like, I still have the information that I sent to you if I keep a copy of it. So so that's kind of, it's like an accounting thing. Right. I send to you, meaning that I I give up and you receive and then you give up and you re- or you receive and, and you give up. And then the last person receives and gives up. And then the whole chain of custody is complete. So there's, there's like a chain of micro Transactions that form the routing, and in each transaction, somebody gives and somebody surrenders. And yeah, and,
7: and and in in that process of routing, oh, sorry, Tomer, I thought you were done.
10: I am done. Yeah.
7: Uh, and in that process of routing, Pubby um, now has um, a thousand um, uh, Bitcoin. Excuse me, a thousand um, Sats on the channel that he has with you and now has a thousand less sats on the channel that he has with mcshane because the that that's but but the balance on his on his lightning node is the same because he has he's gained a thousand and lost a thousand but in those channels so there's different pipes that are going out so okay cool
0: Alright, so um, I'm sitting at a Starbucks. Can you guys hear me okay?
4: Loud and clear.
7: Yep. Did you buy your Starbucks with lightning?
0: I did not. Um, I'm actually not the one buying the Starbucks. I'm just camping outside. Apparently uh, Twitter Spaces doesn't like it when you change cell towers as you're driving. So, uh, yeah, we're not going to do that anymore. (laughs) But this should work. So, uh, buddy, uh, something that I was super interested about that I didn't really talk all the conversation was the the, the situation with the
5: rest
6: of you guys. Yeah, Alex. I mean, it, you, you're. uh Do you have headphones? Are you on speakerphone? Because it's like that. It sounds like that airplane came in hot.
3: Yeah, it might.
2: Fucking cover, man.
3: Any better now?
10: It sounds like you're in an amusement park, Alex.
0: Man, that's brutal. All right, I guess I'm just going to listen for the rest of the show. I love you guys. <laughs> Do your thing.
3: Yeah, I was just going to say one thing um, here in Tomer. It's crazy. I know there's a lot of new people here, and you get all these terms and lightning, and, and how far we've come. You know, just, just over four years ago, Lightning didn't even exist. And look how far we've come from that, uh, from not existing. Um, Bitcoin can't scale. We, you had the, the hard fork wars and the big blocks, little blocks. And now from all of that, you, and then you had, a, you had to have a separate wallet once Bitcoin started. But now you get something like a moon wallet where it's all in one. You got your lightning there. You got your on-chain there. I, I just think it's fascinating um, what, what four years has done. And I can't wait for the next four years to, to see how much simpler it becomes for everybody.
10: Yeah, it is. It is amazing, and and you can, you know, I've encouraged people to run their own node. You don't have to, uh, and not everyone in the world will need to. But if you, but you may want to, and you may want to learn about how this is working because because we are still so early, and um, and this is this is a really disruptive technology, and so it, it's useful. I find with all of these things to kind of as you dabble in them, you learn them gradually rather than you're forced to learn them suddenly. Or you or you're just a laggard who's coming up and desperately trying to learn how this thing works and you just have to trust everybody you can take your time here and you know no you don't need to risk a lot of capital at all uh to use to use lightning in all the different ways that that it can be used um, and the more comfort you develop just the more <laughs> the better you get right like you don't the first time you sent an email, you were probably in a panic trying to type the right thing. Every letter had to be correct. You had to have the at symbol and this thing dot com. And then you forgot to leave a subject line and then you hit send too early by mistake. And it was all it was all messy. Right. So there's all this. Cl- and now nobody thinks twice about it. Uh, you've, you've got it all figured out uh, because you practiced. So to me, there's just this the sooner you start doing these things, the sooner they become comfortable and you're not afraid anymore of using them, you You start to get really confident in it, just like anything that you learn in life. And this is going to be big, right? Like, there's no question in my mind that this is going to be how people spend all the money in the world in some number of years. Uh, So the sooner you get on it, the more comfortable you'll feel. and, And the more you'll be able to help other people with it, too
3: you know this. This is the year I, I really am making a, more of an effort to do buy. And, you know, buy and replace. Yeah, practice with small amounts, uh, and and talk to the small businesses about lightning. Um, man, when you, if you can show them you're going to save them two or three percent or whatever Visa or Amex, Mastercard charges them. And if you can show just the small businesses and you get them involved, man, what what a great way to to grow it out. Absolutely. You know, I put
10: a I put a tweet
7: out uh, I think last uh, last week um, asking for I, I have not for anybody that has that has uh, joined the uh, the NCR network with their with their with their lightning payments. It'd be really nice to get a little primer on that, um, so that uh, those of us who are patrons can go to a merchant and say, "Well, these are the steps you take, and it's super easy to do." I'm not currently a Um, a merchant. So I'm not sure that I can even join Shopify or NCR to, to, to do that process and understand it better, but getting some kind of primer on that would be awesome.
2: I thought it was incredible at the conference, uh, just had dinner at this place called Juvia and lo and behold, uh, they took lightning payments. Uh, I used my blue wallet And you bought your food, your drinks, you tipped your waiters right there in Miami using the Lightning Network. Oh, it was just incredible.
10: I I have a fun Lightning story from the conference. Uh, Two, in fact. One, I I was signing my book and selling it, and most people paid with Lightning, and it was great fun. But my more fun story was I I got invited to Michael Saylor's house for a barbecue at lunch, and so he had these chefs barbecuing, and they knew that he had that he had something to do with bitcoin uh, but they hadn't used it yet and they were all um they were all workers who were sending money back home so i got them all to download lightning wallet and i gave them all a certain amount of lightning after they were done serving the food and so i managed to orange pill a couple of chefs working for michael saylor which was lots of fun and they were really excited about it um Like they they, when I once I explained, like, first of all, they got the money right away. And then I explained to them that it can't be inflated away and that they could set if if they got their family to download the app, they could send the money to their family wherever they were in the world instantly for free. Their eyes lit up. So there's just so many people who can benefit from this. And, and And this is, I guess, to the point that I was making earlier. I could do this because I taught myself and learned, and so I'm in a posi- I'm now in a position to help people out, and it feels really good to help people out uh, with education and with some uh, some sats here and there. So you can. <laughs> I'm not saying you're going to get invited to Michael Saylor's house, but but you you'll be in situations all the time. I try every time I go to a restaurant to uh, tell the whoever's serving me uh, if they've heard of Bitcoin, if they have any if they'd like to receive their tip in Bitcoin. And if they do, if they say yes, I always, um, always get them to download one of these lightning wallets, like you described, uh, like Moon or Wallet of Satoshi. And when the time comes to settle up, I'm really happy to give them a slightly more generous tip than I otherwise would have, so that they can get started on Bitcoin. Um, I wanted to chime in and ask, uh, and uh, t- tie into the, uh, the new terms and slogans are we gonna call this Moip or Boip? Money over IP or Bitcoin over IP? I like Boip. Well, we call it LN, like because it's lightning. It's LN over uh, BTC, right? Lightning network on the BTC protocol, which is all over TCP/IP. <laughs> so someone can draw a nice fraction: LN over BP with a big line over TCP over IP, and that may be that may be the right way to look at it all. And there's, there's so much that you can build on top of lightning because now that you can route money in exchange, you know, you can already route information. Now you can route money. Now you can route money for information. And and that's where all these amazing applications take place because it, it who, who knows what could be, um, and, and the future that it opens up. Uh, you know, we've had people, there's been people on this show over the last week that really talk about, um, higher layers but it's really it's just it's it's applications that combine these two layers to create a decentralized form of twitter where it's like this twitter is not free we're the product of twitter the advertising message the collection of our data the the identification of our persona the indoctrination of us with accepted messages and the filtration of unacceptable messages that's all going on here and 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 we could change it, right? Like, um, not not at the snap of a finger today or tomorrow, but gradually, and then suddenly, as people add nodes, as people train themselves, as people convert their money into money that can be sent frictionlessly over TCP/IP, then we're then we're in a new world, and and we can complete the circuit of of taking ownership of our information of our computing revolution. Right now, we're beholden to the servers that house this platform. Uh, but we, but when we run Bitcoin, it be, we, we run the protocol uh, and we leave the platforms that belong to other people and we become, we become the protocol. So I don't mean to get too philosophical about it, but there's a lot, there's a lot more here than just um, a different way to get rich or a different way to store money. It, there's an enablement of the digital world and all the promises that it, that it made uh, becoming real. I'm going to call that reality over IP, and I love what you said, Tomer.
5: Awesome.
2: Tomer, you just dropped such amazing stuff. He's such a great educator, sweet, soulful, and you guys got to catch his shows uh, when he goes real deep down the rabbit hole if you haven't. Um, Man, Tomer will broaden your mind, broaden your horizons. Let's ask uh, Governor candidate, Georgia Governor candidate Shane Hazel, what are your thoughts of this just astronomical growth of the Lightning Network?
1: I, <clears throat> sorry, guys, I was on, on mute for too long. Uh, the what I've seen, especially last week down at the conference, is you know you don't know what you don't know right and you don't you don't know the personalities, you don't know the people in the space the idea that we're starting to see this you know this point of sale this movement from just stacking stats uh to to coming in and actually using your bitcoin for automatic remittance over lightning uh you know when we talk about time space and scales like to to see this now coming to fruition where people are going to start using um you know things uh, like Fold or Lightning or Cash App or, or whatever it is, you know, in terms of you know whatever their preferences, and maybe strike the the idea that we're we're starting to to move into a different paradigm. We're actually going to start you know interacting with each other um, outside of fiat altogether, and kind of to see you know the, the idea that obviously with automatic forbiddens, like well, it doesn't care what denomination you're in, it doesn't care if you're in front, it doesn't care. If you're in the U.S. dollar, it doesn't care, you know, if you're in, in a dinar. Like, this is one of those things where around the world, and I think, you know, that uh, that story that came out, I guess, was, was MSNBC or whatever it was yesterday where they, they sent uh, sats to that refugee, you know, like, I it, it mean, to have it now in mainstream where they're, they're talking about, like, real-time remittance, um, you know, the, the idea that we can do it at a level, you know, probably higher than the visa in terms of transactions per minute. Uh, and at a lower cost, I mean, it's game on, man. It's just, I don't know. This, this whole space gets me super excited just to see, you know, the, the brainpower and the, the culture where people are trying to help other people, you know, and that's, that's the, the biggest thing that I see is, you know, if, if we can, you know, move money around the world, I mean, you look at, uh, you know, the situation in Ukraine right now, nobody's a good guy um, in terms of the, the powers that be, So that, you know, if if you are in a Bitcoin network and you're one of those people that has to flee war, you have to flee starvation, poverty, whatever is being brought on by these megalomaniacs in in charge. And you can get, you know, sats from somebody around the world or, you know, you have an entire Bitcoin army at your disposal where we can bring attention and start raising money like, you know, Hong Kong coddle. You know, this is a game changer. This is... This is one of those, you know, checks that people have never seen before in terms of world powers, in terms of out of control dictators that, you know, if if we have an answer for that, if we have funding for that, if we can move um, money around the world without the, you know, the the banking cabal coming in and, and regulating, stopping, imprisoning, whatever it is, you know, this is a new force in the world of the people. To not only be contented with, but to absolutely destroy narratives that are being put forth uh, by some really, really evil people that are, you know, obviously in, in freefall right now for the, uh, you know, the, the, the petrol dollar and the reserve currency of the world and all the manipulating that it's done. And just, you know, obviously, you know, war and, and death and destruction and thievery over the, you know, the past you know 100 years in in the united states alone it's it's going to be i mean it's an exciting time to be alive
7: and we are so are so so early oh sorry oh sorry
0: all good i'm i'm stationary i think in a good place can i get a comms check if i'm good maybe i can jump back in here you're good sweet fantastic um Agree with everything Shane just said. I really appreciate you coming on the show today, man. You are the featured guest. I would like to dig more into uh, into Shane's background and story, talk to him about what he's got going on and his ideas. Um, I personally believe that the more, the more people that we have in, in positions of authority throughout our society who are pro-Bitcoin, obviously, the better off we're going to be. I'm not saying that Bitcoin ain't going to do what it's going to do. It's probably going to do what it's going to do regardless, but... Um, it will certainly smooth things versus make things worse, in my humble opinion. So that said, Shane, if you're willing to, tell us a little bit about your background, man. I mean, personally, I'm, I got a chance to meet you for the first time last week. Um, and I got. I will tell everybody here listening right now that my impression of the guy is just warm, kind, genuine, authentic dude. And um, I like him quite a bit. So Shane, tell us a little bit about your story, man. Particularly, I want to hear about like, um, (laughs) I want to hear the military story. Tell us that one and then we'll get more into what you've been doing recently and what's kind of led you up to this um, bid to become the governor of Georgia.
1: Sure, brother. And, um, you know, I, there's, there's a love fest within this Bitcoin community. Uh, I, I kind of ran by uh, Alex at the swan party when I came in. I gave him a little poke in the side, you know, as, as Marines do to, to squid. Uh, and, you know, kind of smiling. I said, hey, I'll, I'll catch you later. You know, whenever you're done uh, with that conversation. And so at any rate, uh, yeah, I guess 2001 is kind of the, the beginning of the, the military side of, of my story. Uh, I was about to enter my my last year of school out at West Georgia University, and 9/11 happened. And obviously, and I think a lot of you guys are uh, maybe in this crowd, uh, fairly young and, and don't remember uh, that day maybe as well as I did. I was 21, um, and it, and it hit me uh, like a a ton of bricks. I was working overnight, uh, paying for school at uh, Home Depot, stocking shelves, and you know heard. A, a plane had hit the tower and then you know you know i didn't know what kind of plane it was and kept stocking shelves and then somebody said you know another one's hit and said it was a, an aircraft like a, a passenger aircraft and kind of uh stopped everything and we took lunch and it was like i don't know it was seven or eight o'clock in the morning then nine o'clock i don't know somewhere in there and um it just kind of felt like it got hit in the gut so you know, uh, as an indoctrinated young man uh, down here in the South, it, you know, just kind of loved, you know, the, the people around me and and had been, I guess, uh, pushed to that point where, you, you know, maybe it is time to do something. Maybe we are going to get into a fight and maybe they're going to need some dudes to go out there uh, and, you know, I guess lay down their lives possibly for America or bring some people to justice if something doesn't happen. And I was obviously extremely naive. Uh, and I was very much a neocon at the time, so I, I went in and I enlisted uh, for the United States Marine Corps, and I asked my recruiter about, uh, you know, reconnaissance, and he was a, a bolt fuel guy, you know, guy that works with gas, and he didn't know what the hell I was asking him about. He just said, man, dog, they're snooping and pooping, snooping and pooping, and so um, I got in, and, and kind of, you know, the Marine Corps was just one of the things, you know, where I excelled, uh, in. in I was honor grad out of like all the the boot camp and the, you know, the the weapons training. And then I went to my first school, became the uh, the honor grad again. And they kind of gave me my selection of duty stations. So I chose uh, First Force Reconnaissance Company and went out there and got involved with at the time, which was, uh, you know, the the precursor to Marine Corps Special Operations. And, you know, that that was just, uh, you know, training leading up to it i think uh by early 2003 january we were deployed to the middle east went in for the initial invasion into iraq and it was kind of a, a more or less like a five-month deployment you know we got to baghdad pretty quickly in fact the regiments had left us behind uh at at an intersection we'd been watching and kind of blew by and so uh we joined back up with them uh, and made the final push into uh baghdad and went up to Tikrit for a little while but our our uh, team uh, was recalled, uh, separated from the rest of the company, and we went back for another workup in the States for a year. And by April of 2004, we were headed back over to the Middle East on a Marine Expeditionary Unit. And this time, you know, we were kind of wondering, like, all right, you know, what's going on? Because in April, um, that was the first offensive into and You know, when you see, you know, those guys out there in green T-shirts with, you know, 240s just you know, running at the cyclic rate, uh, you know things are—they're—you know—we're still very much at war. Maybe more so than ever. This is when IEDs were cooking off, um, and and we were actually taking some some pretty uh, large casualties in in the region. So it was—you know—it was absolutely no joke going back the second time. We thought it was going to be a little quieter, but uh, we got into country as uh, soon as we got in and took control of Najaf. We were in the battle of Najaf against the al Sadr. And those guys, uh, the Mahdi militia, which were the guys we were supposed to be helping. And, you know, to see this kind of unfold, we, we surrounded these guys in this place called the Imam Ali Shrine. And when we had them surrounded and we were about to you know, drop some JDAMs on them, the uh, Muqtada al daughter and the uh, Grand Ayatollah Sistani, uh they brokered a peace deal with some bureaucrat a- in D.C. And we had to watch those guys walk away you know, under, under, you know, white flags and, you know, it was kind of a punch in the gut there. We were like, well, what are we doing over here? If, if this isn't, uh, you know, if, if we're, if we're not going to play to win, right. If, if we're not here to win. And that was kind of the, the first, you know, questioning I had of our foreign policy, you know, was, you guys are using a lot of dudes and in, 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 out here for, I don't know what cannon fodder. If, if we're not here to win, then, you know, that's not, what I always understood was our mission. So, fast forward, we we did some training uh, with the ODA, which is the uh, SF guys out of uh, Fifth Group, and that's uh, Fort Campbell. They're uh, you know they're kind of a, a quasi paramilitaries. Um, they do force multiplication, indigenous uh, you know uh, multiplication in terms of uh, taking the the local area and uh, taking you know key people in those in those places and and using them to help. I guess, the CIA uh, push into power people who they want in power. So we kind of learned that side of the the house for a while. And then we got called up for the mission in Fallujah of November. Uh, and that was, you know, that was a hell of a battle. We did all the reconnaissance and battle shaping for uh, the, the breach. And then we got attached to the infantry units, 3-1 specifically for most of the time uh, for a push through the city. And, you know, so I, I turned into a, a glorified door kicker at 24 and I was an old man. And to see what had happened, um, you know, on the ground there in the job and then now in Fallujah to see you know, what our campaign was, it was it, it, I don't think most people can understand um, you know, what real war is, especially in urban areas and the, the, the toll that it takes, you know, not just then, but for decades and decades to come for you know, the rest of people's lives. And so I kind of, I had some some real revelations during that period. And as soon as I got back to uh, what was called the Mech, which is our base uh, just east of, the, of Belusia, uh one of my buddies had set a book on my, uh, on my bed. It was called uh, The Underground History of American Education. And it was by a guy named John Taylor Gatto. And I think this is where things really became uh, extremely unraveled. And it's it's one of the books that i point a lot of adults to because as, as a as a child you're taken away from your family at five years old um and you are put into government indoctrination camps and for those of you guys that you know may not um understand some of the language i'm using uh, i try to use real accurate language when describing uh the state uh the the banking cabals the the military industrial complex and the rest of this stuff but Um, Government indoctrination is just that. It was set up uh, in Prussia in the 1700s. It was brought to America in the uh, late 1800s by Horace Mann, a a, a giant progressive. And it was to turn out a culture of good, obedient civilians and a a soldiery that would move whenever they were told to move to any conflict they were told to be involved in, to sacrifice their lives, their treasure, their, their families, their blood. For the state, and you start to understand, you know, you know what the bigger problem is. And for me, you know, as a as a young man that was overseas, uh, I kind of had a holy shit moment. Like, wow, they did it. You know, they they indoctrinated me. They 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 fed me this stuff uh, until I was 18. Went on to higher education. Gotten you know involved in poli sci and all this other kind of stuff during college, and started paying attention. Uh, to news and economics and all this kind of stuff, but at the, at the same time, I wasn't ever given a broader picture, a, a picture of you know what the alternatives were, what the you know what the institutions or you know the lack of institutions were in that time frame. So, my story kind of evolves through um, questioning, and then obviously going back to extreme what I thought were basics, you know, becoming a constitutionalist and learning the Constitution uh you know right down to you know the the sections and paragraphs that you know help it mechanically work uh in society and then i found the anti-federalists and the anti-federalists hated the federalists uh they were they they wanted to remain states and they were honestly prophets if you if you go back and read the anti-federalists and study them they called the federalists a bunch of uh, you know aristocrats they called them the aristocratic accommodation um you know a group of people that i've termed the murder cult today and the um the guys like lysander spooner in the 1800s just ripped these guys apart you know and kind of offered you the question is what contract did you sign or were you forced and coerced into this through a narrative that's just given in our society and you know this these are all you know these, these were very very hard pills for somebody like myself the swallow who had you know gone overseas done terrible things uh to to have you know wave the red white and blue and and just you know i love americans and i love the ideas of freedom but i'll tell you you know for what the institution is what the systems are what the banking cabal is it runs it all it is it's an absolute nightmare so i started um with all that knowledge to say you know what. it's it's time to start educating other people and at first i was upset uh you know just kind of mean and i didn't have a lot of empathy and as time has gone on you know I've, i've run for u.s congress as a protest i've run for u.s senate as a protest and now obviously governor and it's it's one of those things with time you start to see um you know how to best help people get started on a path and that's bitcoin right is you know there are so many different facets that bring people to Bitcoin. Um, you know, one of the, the the founding, you know, I guess people in in my life in terms of helping me understand the space was Ron Paul. Ron Paul, you know, launched the revolution back in you know 1988. Actually, I mean, before most of us remember. And honestly, even back to you know when uh, when Nixon unpegged from the gold standard and Bretton Woods. So to see him launch this revolution to be one of those young people that saw Ron Paul absolutely get screwed uh, in, in the GOP. It's, it, his mission was first and foremost in the Fed. Um, and where the revolution you know, stops, I think that's where Bitcoin comes in. And when you see Bitcoin as the not only the end of the Fed, but a new paradigm shift, this is, this is where things get really interesting and really exciting for the space, right? Is like if you can come into the space uh, and, and be extremely humble and learn and understand, you know, for me, it was Austrian economics that, that brought me to the understanding that, holy shit, we've got the hardest money the planet has ever seen. We, you know, it doesn't need to be backed by something. It, it is in itself a, a almost perfect Understanding of code in a constitution, in and of itself, a communications protocol that gives all of us an an absolutely equal footing in terms of coming to it and then abiding by its rules as we transact. And I think that's one of the, you know, one of the cool things. That's kind of how I found Bitcoin. Is you know, back I guess it was 2018, and I found it, and I was just like, oh my god. You know, after getting done with Austrian economics and the Mises Institute and the rest of it, now I've got to come in here and I've got to learn this, this damn space as well. But, you know, um, over the past few years, I guess, four years, um, trying to understand it, I wanted to start talking about it a long time ago. I was like, man, I just, I don't have the, I don't have the skill set. I don't have the knowledge. knowledge Now that I I do, it's just, we're there and it's like, let's go, let's
0: go. Let me stop you there for a second. I want to, first, I want to ask you, um, What was the name of that book that you said that your uh, your mate dropped on your bunk?
1: Yeah, it's called um, The Underground History of American Education, and it it is a it's a seed. And as adults, nobody wants to be duped. Nobody wants to be anybody's fool. This is one of those books that gives you kind of a, uh, a DeLorean, right? You can travel back in time to 1985 when you were a kid and for some of you guys it's you're gonna go holy shit he's old as hell and some of you guys are gonna be like oh man he's kind of young but this this is that moment where you know as a child you were duped a lot look at santa claus and the easter bunny and all that you're you're very willing to admit that you were duped as a child maybe even indoctrinated as a child things are not what they had seen. this this is that moment
0: yeah it's important because you know with the amount of sort of I'll just say, you know, there's a lot of propaganda nowadays in mainstream media, like the kind of narratives that they're trying to get people to believe. It's a lot of it's, <laughs> it's pretty much nonsense. And it's fascinating how much of the human population is still sort of under the sway. So that that's um, great. I, I hope people look into that book. I know I'm going to. Let's let's rewind a little bit. So after you got out of the military, you, and obviously this started sending you down this sort of path, pathway of wanting to understand more about the constitution and what is, um, you know, real free market money, all that other kind of stuff. Where did you go career wise as you were kind of learning all of this? And then what led you to Bitcoin?
1: Yeah. So career wise, I got into aerospace. I I went up, uh, went back to Georgia, uh, university of Georgia and finished out my degree in international affairs. And, you know, you start learning about things like the IMF and the, you know, the way that, you know, money gets moved around the world and starts being manipulated and all that kind of stuff. And as soon as I finished up, it was about a year and a half later. Uh, so 2007, I got into aerospace and have been, you know, kind of one of those guys in that space for a very long time now, I guess, um, that translates, you know, user knowledge between um, the the engineers who bring everything to fruition and the, you know, the end user. So that we have, you know, a, a, I don't know, more sustainable uh, service product, all those kind of things in, in that space. So it's it's been, you know, that in itself, obviously, being a, a, a learning and understanding that has helped me understand the the, the power requirements, the power side of, of Bitcoin. But the, the Austrian side is, you know, a complete departure from what I did on a regular basis. This was just something, you know, where you start to engage in your passions you start to understand like my passion in this world is freedom like i i live on a mountain in the middle of nowhere in georgia um and i don't need politics you know this is something that i i do for um you know giving back this is kind of like my my way to educate and and give back to the community and try to help it see you know where it can go to be free where it can go to to put the the power you know back in the people, back in the people's hands and, and really decentralize it. So, um, you know, the decentralization effect of Bitcoin, the the Austrian economic side of it, like it, it's just one of those things where you, you start to see all of these convergences, then diagram where, you know, I've been involved with, um, you know, the Libertarian Party since 2015, um, got into Austrian economics, like all of these realms that, you know, the Ron Paul revolution uh, ending the Fed, creating a, a harder, more sustainable money, and like they just they kind of all come together to this point in 2022, where it's not you know what should we you know I don't know argue about and all these kind of things you know and, and very well illustrated by the conference for me is we came together down there and from so many different backgrounds it was just laser focused mission. If we can't remove government from money, we're never, ever, ever going to be free. And so, you know, for for me, man, it's just been, you know, learn as much as possible, continue to be a student, continue to be humble, and then go out there and and introduce these ideas with a lot of empathy and try to control, you know, a lot of the FUD that happens on the side. Um, and, And to be able to do it from an executive governor you know, the uh, run here in Georgia. It's just, I don't know. It's, it's an honor. It's humbling. And it's one of those things with, you know, the Bitcoin community, it's just, who knows what you can talk
0: to now. Awesome. All right. So let's, uh, let's dig into that a little bit. Um, you know, as far as you coming to Bitcoin and you seeing this, you know, a lot of Bitcoiners nowadays, you hear the, you hear the saying quite a bit where it's the separate, um, money from state the separation of money and state there was this cool thing called the um the declaration of monetary independence there was this huge kind of placard up at the uh, the bitcoin 2022 conference i had somebody take a picture of me they were letting people sign it right so i'm a signer a proud signer of the the declaration of monetary independence i had a picture of me signing it um fantastic concepts so I had a question for you, Shane, about like your run. Like you're running. Are you running as a libertarian? I, I guess. I am. Yeah, I am.
1: Definitely, yeah,
4: definitely. absolutely,
0: Okay, so then my question is, why, why run as a libertarian versus trying to run on one of the other platforms? Is uh, like, what is your thinking there? What is your strategy? And what is your walk? Walk us through that.
1: Yeah. So kind of as I mentioned earlier, it's um, you know a couple of reasons. I was, you know, like in, in the military, obviously disruption was one of my skill sets. You know, they paid millions of dollars to train me in disruption. Um, I went in in 2018 and ran for Congress uh, as a Republican, you know, still libertarian. Uh, but I, I went in, we had a, a, a rep down here. Uh, his name is Rob Woodall, and he was like a 50 percent constitutional uh, voter, which means half of the time you voted for your rights, half of the time you voted for responsibility and you know probably not even that And he was just this limp noodle you know didn't have any intestinal fortitude and you know was kind of a, a policy one and so as you know as a veteran and as a guy that knew the constitution cold I went in and challenged them and what I saw from the organization of the GOP from the inside from a hometown kid that just wanted to come in and represent you know these people and take a fight to DC which is you know probably one of the biggest problems that GOP has in terms of PR right now is they don't have any real fighters. You got Thomas Massey up there. You got, you know, Rand Paul that does some good things. Mike Lee uh, and Chip Roy, I think, from Texas. But like outside of that, maybe any big. But outside of that, you really don't have a ton of real fighters up there. It's just guys that go along and get along. And so um, for me, when I saw the inside of the GOP, you know, we tried to get, you know, debates in the district we got to try to get debates in each of the counties uh through the gops and you know what i was met with was just some of the biggest backstabbing you know all these people that are rah-rah your rights rah-rah constitution um we're going to kick them ass and all that other kind of stuff they're all absolutely full of shit and you know and that's the thing is not only they full of shit they're a lot of them are just dumb um you know and, and i don't say that about you know most people like but politicians, the ones that have the, you know, the, the seats and power and stuff like that, they just go around saying, yes, they're real likable people. They they tell you what you want to hear and all that kind of stuff, but there's no fight in them whatsoever. So uh, to see, you know, when you when you challenge the, you know, the power mantle, what their response was in an, such an organized way through the, uh, the county parties, through the district parties from the state uh, and at national you know, you're just sitting there going and scratching your head like these guys really don't care about, you know, the, the fundamentals, the principles. What these guys care about is getting reelected. You know, every two years you're getting reelected. So when I saw that from the inside, um, I was just, I don't know, I, I think I was a little bit uh, naive in, in my ideas that I could go in there uh, and absolutely kick the ass the first time out and, and see what it was. But um, they, have, they have no appetite for guys like me in the GOP. So I decided it was time to run a a, a more expeditious uh, disruption campaign uh, the next time around. And that was uh, when uh, Ryan Graham came down. Uh, he's the uh, LP Georgia chair. He said, you know, you're a libertarian, right? And I said, Yeah. What do you do? Check the, the roster. He said, yeah. <laughs> so uh he's like why don't you come over and run with us man um you'll have a welcome crowd you won't have to you know hate your life when you have to deal with these guys that are backstabbing you all the time and so i went over to the lp and you know obviously the lp's got its own issues but uh in terms of culture most people can at least agree over there you don't hurt people and you don't take their stuff and uh 2020 was a a great a great concept uh in terms of like trying to to make something happen in terms of disruption, um, down here because of COVID. Um, you know, I didn't raise any money for it and sent the, the whole thing into a runoff in, uh, 2020 that I think, you know, made national news, international news around the world, uh, without spending a dime. And it was just on message. It was just, Hey, you got to leave people alone. You know, if they, if they don't want to, to go down your, um, your science path, if they don't want your vaccines, all all of those kind of things, the medical mandates, like this is their right, and they don't need to do those kind of things. So um, the lockdowns and everything else, uh, it was more at that time, you know, I was kind of almost gearing up to have this fight at the executive level um, in, in Georgia. And so... I knew I couldn't get a fair shake uh, as a as somebody running in the GOP and that's that's absolutely why um, I'm running as a libertarian it's like you know you no. get in the general and actually force the conversation
0: yeah that actually makes a lot of sense thanks for explaining that um you know what it reminds me of is, your, your story about how like when you got in there and you started seeing that they don't really want somebody to stand up and change things. They just want a bunch of yes men in there that, you know, don't, don't rock the boat. Like don't mess it up. Like we got a good thing going here. Don't, don't be the guy that comes in here and screw this, screws this all up. It reminds me a lot of Tulsi Gabbard. You know, when she, she ran as she's a Democrat, she's running a lot of Democratic uh, races. I I um, I can remember watching an interview she did with Joe Rogan where she was basically saying the same thing. Like she got in there and she would not toe their line. They wanted her to say and do a whole bunch of stuff that was against what she thought was right. She basically told them to go pound sand. Um, And that's when the whole Democratic Party turned against her, apparently, because she was a darling, you know, she was just like, she was a, she was a star in that party. She was even in the early days, you know, I don't know if you guys know this, but she was one of the young World Economic Forum upcoming leader types. And this is just my opinion. Like she was part of that cohort. She, I saw a picture of her with, um, I think it was Dan Crenshaw and a couple of other people. But anyway. I This isn't just my opinion. I, I think what happened was she saw sort of the, the dark underbelly of that beast. And she's like, y'all are crazy. I ain't going down that road with you people. We want to do what's right. And because of that, they turned on her big time. Uh, it's about time. We need people who, who can stand for what's right. Who's going to have the integrity to do the hard stuff. So how that all shakes out, I don't know. But for a while now, I've been kind of thinking... You know, we've had these different folks come through our show who are running for office in various different positions. I do hope that they're not going to be politics as usual, but more and more I keep thinking, you know, if we're really going to make some positive changes here, the people are going to have to come from the Bitcoin community versus politicians who say they're pro-Bitcoin. What do you think about all that, Shane?
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you guys, um, be wary. I mean, seriously, go to your homework. You know, for for me, you guys, there's literally, there's 400 episodes between The Rebellion and Radical, the shows that I run. Uh, I've been podcasting for about four years right after I got done with my first run. So, you know, if there's if there's homework to be done, it's out there for you guys. And uh, I, you know, I hope you will, you know, go in and do the homework be suspicious of everybody and you know i'll I'll say it you know i'm glad there are people in this space that are talking about bitcoin especially at the federal level um but i'm going to tell you right now like what i saw especially during bitcoin 2022 uh from politicians was not promising i mean you know and i will say you know I'm, i'm glad they're there i'm glad people are starting to show up because you know at least we can start to pull them in but you know when when i watched um, you know, Joe Jorgensen on stage. She's a friend. Um, I'm glad she's there. I'm glad she's, you know, pushing. But, you know, this idea that Bitcoin and crypto are at, even in the same ballpark is, is foolish. Uh, when, you know, we had uh, Cynthia Loomis up there. I think the hubris on the part of a lot of politicians, especially people who are already in power, who are talking about these things. You know what i took away from that you know first of all you know the the room was just absolutely a vacuum when she was talking i mean it was it was one of those things where uh i i was like god you think that you're going to find bitcoin like there's a white paper that already did this shit. we don't we don't need for congress to to do anything we don't need the government to do anything i'm you know i'm glad they're you know they're they're Talking about accepting it and, and you know uh, securities and all this kind of stuff and maybe getting an ETF, but here's the here's the deal for me and this is how I understand it: is the hubris from the people who think that they're going to control or tax or whatever it is they think they're going to do with government is gotta be some of and might go down in history as one of the most laughable moments uh, in in the learning curve to to, to sit there. And think that you're going to, I don't know, outwork this crowd. You know, this this this, um, this amalgamation of brain power with a lot of, uh, you know, w- w- with a lot of money behind it. I mean, let's face it. You know, we're gonna we're gonna continue to see that you know that J curve where it just absolutely takes off versus these people who are dealing in fiat. Like the 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 power, the necessity, and everything that. Bitcoin need is already there. And so for those guys to think that they're going to steer us or be our guides or tell us, you know, what they can and what we can and cannot do in this space, I think is just one of the most, uh, I don't know, laughable, naive, uneducated uh, places you can be as somebody in power or somebody who's running for office. Um, If if I've learned learned anything anything over, over, over the years, it's that, you know, like if you look at guns, the ATF has tried to do anything and everything that they can uh, to control what's going to happen with firearms. And the engineers in this space continue to redefine the space, continue to innovate out of the space. And that's, you know, the amount of brainpower that we have in that space versus what's going to happen in this space in terms of Bitcoin. There is no way in hell they're going to be able to keep up. They're, they're going to get they're so outmoved
0: so out-moodle. fast, it's going to be funny. Yeah, 100% agree. 100% agree. You know, I, I caught some of Cynthia Lemmes's, um talk at, at Bitcoin 2022. And look, I'm a big fan of Cynthia Lummis. I'm glad she's pro-Bitcoin. But I was actually rather disappointed, you know, because she started out by saying, yeah, Bitcoin's a commodity, therefore it sort of falls. I'm, I'm paraphrasing her, guys. Sort of falls under the purview of the um, the CFTC, and then everything else is probably a security, so follows under the purview of the SEC. And I was thinking to myself, man, they don't even fucking understand really what this is. And it's just like you said, they keep trying to put it in boxes and frameworks of regulation that they do understand, and create rules around it. That just it's just not going to work. I mean. CFTC stands for the Commu- uh, commodities futures trading commission. I'll say it again, commodities futures trading commission. So people who are trading commodities futures, that's what that entity regulates. Well, this is property. It's not a future. A big, uh, you know, Bitcoin, it, it's not a future. It's not a futures contract, right? So to say that somehow this entity has the authority to regulate it is insane. And either she doesn't know what the hell that regulatory agency is, or she's trying to place Bitcoin into a box that it's just simply not gonna fit in. So yeah, it's really nuts, Shane. It's really nuts. So um all right, let's let's do a couple of quick announcements and then I'm super curious to know um, about your plans for running uh if you have any thoughts on your campaign, anything you want to share that you guys are doing and kind of what, what the platform is that you're running on. You have been listening to Cafe Bitcoin. We do this every day, Monday through Friday. We start at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern. We roll for about two hours. We talk about all things Bitcoin. This is a great place to get your news on Bitcoin in the morning. It's becoming a, a preferred place for a lot of the smartest minds in Bitcoin to just come hang out, talk about what's going on. It's also a podcast. It's up on Spotify, Apple. Everywhere that you get your podcasts, you can throw a follow to myself or Swan Bitcoin up here to be notified of when those drop. If you are interested in getting a job in Bitcoin, I know a lot of people are. I talk about I talk to people all the time who are like, hey, you want a job in Bitcoin? You want to leave the fiat job and you want to work in the Bitcoin ecosystem? Go to BitcoinerJobs.com. That's BitcoinerJobs.com. Um, if you are a company and you want to hire Bitcoiners, you can go there as well we have um, some really cool stuff coming up in the future that we'll save towards the end of the show Um, there is a a couple of conferences coming up that we want to talk about that are pretty exciting so looking forward to all of those things let's get back to our featured guest here Shane Hazel who is candidate running for governor of Georgia Shane tell us a little bit about uh, should you be elected governor of georgia what would you change like where would you take this thing um, both in in terms of context of bitcoin but also in terms of what you would do with the state
1: yeah we're we're going to be pushing legal tender extremely hard down here um, legal tender obviously just you know it makes it, it gives people the I, I know that good feeling right like in a world where constitutions have absolutely been scrapped, I mean, I don't know about the rest of you guys, but as far as I'm concerned, we live in a banana republic right now. So when, you know, in 2020, when every executive under the sun, uh, I think minus maybe Christy Nome, locked down the population, that was the signal to me that, listen, every anything and everything right now is fair game. It's going, it, what's going to happen is power and Everything that's shifting right now is going to the people that show up and work their asses off through ingenuity and everything else. So the the, the idea that executives are somehow limited right now, good, bad, or indifferent, seems to have got, kind of gone out the window in in a you know in a I don't know check and balance type system. Which I don't know if you know history that it's a, it's a laughable to begin with. So uh, legal tender, obviously being the first thing as the executive. Um, down here in Georgia per our constitution I get to assign people to the parole and um, pardon board so there's a I guess there's five appointments down here you know the first thing I'm doing is, is obviously loading that thing up with you know like-minded people bitcoiners libertarians who understand that if there's absolutely if there's no violence in your crime uh, if, it, if you were arrested and sentenced for nonviolent crime you're you're gone like you're getting out we're pardoning you you're going and so what we're gonna do is, kind of create and foster an environment for people in terms of Bitcoin. So whether it's industry, whether it's trade, whatever it is to say, hey, listen, you are free to transact the way you want to transact. You are free to pay people. You are free to invest. You are free to do whatever it is on your land. It is basically going back in time, you know, quite a long time um, and, and saying, listen, as long as you're not hurting people and taking their stuff, Please go for it. Now, for me, in terms of the government, uh, you know, there's there's so much. And I think Jordan Peterson, uh, you know, kind of hit on this. There, there were some revelations he was having on stage. But this is, you know, this is one part I think the Bitcoin community really needs to look at in terms of managing expectations. Right. And, and in terms of sales as well, um, when when you look at You know what Bitcoin is going to do? It's going to do some absolutely amazing things for us, right? We've talked about the disruption and the imbalance of power, where now you have people in this community that can affect, uh, you know, situations around the world instantaneously if they're coordinated well enough. Um, down here, if if we can, you know, harness that for for better, great. But there's going to also going to be some things that are going to uh, pop up that aren't so great, right? When you look at what's going to happen with governments in terms of getting paid, if people adopt Bitcoin, you're going to have an, an entire government sector that's going to find out the hard way um, who's essential and who's not essential. When you have to compete, you know, and this is, this is the marketplace, when you have to compete for goods and services where people don't have to pay you if they don't want your shit uh, or, your, or your service. Then at the end of the day, what's going to happen is you're going to go out of business. And if you can't extract wealth because people hold their keys, or you can't go after a business because there's nothing to go after, then those people are going to be above the you know the, the regulatory law. So you're going to have a lot of people that are having you know that are going to be in somewhat of a crisis. And then you know I think the the way for us to obviously you know sell this kind of thing is you know i have to do this in the libertarian party i've had to do it for a long time is like listen we're not talking about a, a perfect world we're not talking about a utopia what we're talking about is removing and decentralizing, decentralizing the monopoly of force from the government so in in you know the greatest you know in the quote unquote the greatest empires in the world wherever you have centralization at a massive level you also have the greatest injustice you also have the greatest theft you also have the greatest murders you you have you have you know, megalomaniac type of activity because nobody's responsible at the end of the day. And for for us, what we have to do is say, hey, listen, you know, this isn't going to be perfect in terms of, you know, a, a Bitcoin standard. It's not. There are still going to be people who are, you know, downtrodden. There are still going to be people who are, you know, hungry. There are still going to be people that, you know, life seems a little bit unfair, but at least it's not centralized at least they're not, you know, there's nobody from the government coming to take your stuff or abuse you or throw you in a cage or possibly even kill you, your dog, or whatever the case is. And so it's, it's it's that managing that expectation is like, Hey guys, you know, we're not, we're not going to make things perfect, but we're going to make things a hell of a lot more fair for the people who are the innovators, the people who produce, the people who are, you know, out there busting their butt day and night, and we'll find a place for charity. Trust. I mean, look around. We're, you look at proof of concept, we're already those people. So I think managing expectation in sales as far as a executive is concerned. And then this and then having the understanding of unwinding. Like you got a giant platform and we've got a spring right now that is wound so damn tight in terms of an empire and a petrol dollar that's falling apart. This is unavoidable and for any one politician or you know any politician at all to think that you know they've got the all the answers for this they don't that i'm going to tell you right now that would be the the most foolish uh idea for a a politician to say you know it's all going to be you know roses no it's not what we're going to do is figure out a way to create more of a soft landing so if you look at you know 2022 they've passed a budget down here in uh, in Georgia. And if people in the executive positions are looking at this, what you're looking at is, okay, you might have one, two, three, four years, depending on how your state structures spending. And at the end of that, what you're going to have to tell people who work for government is, listen, you've got about a year, maybe you've got two, maybe three or four, I don't know how how you know your uh, budgets are passed, but down here, you got a year. And next year, they'll go back and they'll pass another budget. So if you're in the public sector, And you think you're going to get funded year after year as it's always uh, been? No. Now, we're moving to a Bitcoin standard. If you think that maybe you're going to fall through the cracks, now's the time to start looking for other employment. Now's the time to start figuring out what you're going to do to provide real service and real product to people so that you have income. And, and, and that's just the nature of the beast. Like it's not, we're not going to sit here and tell everybody that you have to go do this. You don't have to be on the Bitcoin standard, but you're definitely going to be protected by an executive, whether it's the state police, the bureauc, you know, the executive bureaucracies, and then the sheriffs at your local level. Like these people are, have to all be in line with the idea that, Hey, listen, we're not going to use force and coercion against peaceful people. So I think that's the, the biggest role is kind of being the, the guiding light in terms of the executive and, and, you know, making sure that when at the end of the day, the executives understand, listen, you know, the banks have manipulated people forever and the markets and everything else. And now that's going to come due. That, that bill that they've messed with forever, that's coming due now. What are you going to do? Are you going to go to war? With the peaceful people who maybe can't pay their their mortgage because they've been forced out of a job because of, you know the they they're, they don't want to have a vaccine they don't want to comply with the regulations of their job they whatever it is in terms of these forced mandates you're gonna you're gonna go after those people you're gonna go after people that can't meet you know the rent that got to decide between food uh, and shelter or and paying possible property tax or something like that. Are you going to be those people that send out your men with badges to evict them for the these banks that have done absolutely unmentionable things over the years to millions and millions of people? I mean, so it, it, it's more or less being a leader in terms of guiding people to, hey, guys, we can weather the storm together. And with Bitcoin, um, we can thrive. We can open up industry. We can open up. Uh, you know, in, in everything from, you know, agriculture to power, you know, a lot of what we consider commodities, like I was I guess tweeting during the, the conferences, you know, we're going to have some real pain around the world uh, in, in the next couple of years because of the tinkering that they've done, the economic shutdowns, the mandates and everything else. And it's not that we have a, a shortage of commodities in this world. We have an absolute plethora of tyranny. How do you remove that from you know the lives of people? And as the executive of state, you got a pretty big bullhorn and you got a lot of power uh, to do just that. So I think that's kind of more or less the role of an executive.
0: Man, there is so much to unpack there. Like that was uh, that was really deep. I appreciate everything that you said. Um, I really love it. I love the decentralization of power. I love. Really, all the concepts you're talking about, man, don't don't hurt people. Don't take people's stuff, Um, you know, law enforcement, protecting the people, going back to protecting the people instead of, you know, so to speak, going against the people, all of those different kinds of things. Brother, I do hope you get elected. And, uh, you know, if I if I lived in Georgia, I would certainly vote for you. If you if you become the governor, I will seriously consider maybe moving to georgia i love all of these ideas brother and um you know i just feel like all of the states are moving in this direction where um well i shouldn't say all but many many states at this point are moving in this direction of of states rights of reasserting states rights of strong leadership you're seeing uh, cities that have mayors that are being elected on on that are pro Bitcoin. I'm talking about the real ones, not like this knucklehead up in New York who said he was pro Bitcoin. Then all of a sudden he's like, no proof of work mining. Um, it just brings me back to the whole thing about we got to be careful. We got to be careful about who we're supporting. We got to know they're legit. We got to know they're real. Um, and and super, super important stuff. I'm a member of the camp that believes that. As more and more people get onto a Bitcoin standard in their personal life, it's going to unlock massive, massive potential. The entrepreneurial spirit that's going to be unleashed, the hope that's going to be unleashed, the power that's going to be unleashed, just for the for the human race in general. Like we're going to enter this golden age of uh, a, a completely renewed renaissance of, of human spirit and activity. And I think it's going to be absolutely awesome. That's where I I hope we're going. That's where I believe we're going. And um, I'm just looking forward to that bright orange future, as Corey calls it. If you're in the audience and you would like to come up and ask questions of Shane, now is the time. Put your hand up. You can ask questions. We'll be kind to you, I promise. We've also got a Telegram group. You can ask questions there if you like. Um, and we've got about, you know, 10, 15 minutes left in the show. We'll do that for a little bit and then we'll start to wrap it up. Um, Shane, do you, uh, Trammell, I'll go to you in just one second. Shane, do you have anything uh, you want to add onto what I just said there?
1: No, I think you make a good point. Um, you know, if, if we're successful down here, the invitation to Bitcoiners, uh, to come here and thrive and try and, you know, make mistakes and fail as fast as possible so that uh we see you know people you know taking giant steps like I, I hope this is just an incubation chamber for the the greats in bitcoin uh in 2023 uh you know for if if, if i'm governor for as long as possible you know the, the, to to open this thing up for all the different aspects of bitcoin you know i don't care if it's financial spiritual like all of these things uh to create a more free society it is i i don't know i, I get Uh, extremely optimistic, whether I'm successful or not. I think Bitcoin is going to be successful in the space. So uh, really, really cool place.
0: Fantastic. Okay. Uh, I want to welcome up Corey Clipson, CEO of Swan Bitcoin. Good morning, Corey.
5: Good morning, everyone. Shane, thanks so much for uh, joining today. It was fascinating. I've been listening for the last hour or so. And I ordered that book. (laughs) It's already on its way. I noticed there's no audible version, which means we need to get uh, Guy Swan to do the audible.
0: 100%. I love it when he does audio. I mean, it's just the sweet dulcet tones of Guy Swan's voice. Makes me happy. Shane Trammell, go ahead.
4: No, one of the things I wanted to comment on, Shane, which I think you're onto something, and I know Alex has even talked about this on other shows, and I certainly agree as well, that's, you know, with regards to repealing or nullifying, right, getting rid of unnecessary uh, legislation, things that have been passed. You know, we have this history not only at the state level, but, of course, at the federal level of passing things that are either supposed to be for a particular purpose or temporary or whatever. And just like in corporate America, things are never temporary. They're, they, you know, they become enshrined. So, I applaud you for, um, you know, putting that on your platform. And I hope you're successful and able to not only, you know, have positive legislation to fuel where it's needed, but to get rid of all the things that are unnecessary.
1: Yeah. And, and to Shane's point, um, guys, if, if you guys can hear me, the, um, there's a there's also a place on my website you can find it it's either radicalpod.com or shanehazel.com but there's uh, the Helios tab on there it's a it's a nullification sheet for you guys you can take it and, and alter it for every mayor and every sheriff in America uh, to decentralize whatever you know laws that you think are, are unconstitutional and it's it's all written there for you it's one page literally go in. Uh, make some edits, copy it, paste it, and then go and have a conversation with your sheriffs and your mayors. Because as we decentralize and as this hyperinflation hits, um, to these guys on the side of the community that they are supposed to be serving instead of you know the state, the feds, uh, or the banks. You're going to be in a much better position. Uh, and the thing is, is they don't have the manpower. We saw in 2020, they don't have the manpower to stop uh, the the common public out there. So go out there and, and take a look at it and see if you can't get something uh, done at your local level.
0: Hundred percent agree. I, I think the reason most people don't even try is that there's this idea that the government is all powerful and there's nothing you can do i mean that's a very common kind of belief system i find that a lot of people from legacy finance who come into contact with bitcoin and i used to be one of these people by the way they just believe that the government's all powerful and they won't let it thrive and they'll shut it down right well finally i came to the conclusion at one point that like they can't right and when you start to open up that box and you start to realize there are things you can do um, within the law that that gives you the ability to to kind of stand up against this stuff, it's very empowering. Hundred percent. Peter, go ahead.
7: Great, uh, great, great uh, uh, talking points there, Shane. Um, you you are. Um, you're an amazing, amazing speaker and you are right on target. I mean, you just stay, you stay right on target and that's awesome. Hey, my question is, you know, obviously we work in a, in a system that is three tiered. um, You know, there's the legislature, there's the executive and the, and the judicial. And it's been my experience to watch legislatures, particularly at the state level, you know, they tend to be very reactionary. uh, And I'm just going to put, say, cowardly in their inability to uh, create legislation that is actually appropriate and effective. And I'm curious to know, um, you know, obviously, you're, you have great uh, uh, leadership skills. But I'm curious to know, how you are going to try to influence the legislature to, to be able to um, get away from their current clown world kinds of uh, behaviors.
1: That'd be a great question. Um, There, there's a, there's a couple paths that you can follow. Right. And and I think you're probably talking about, you know, how can you have an impact on different uh, personalities that kind of lead those chambers? Right. And, And that's, that's kind of where my bag of tricks comes in for disruption is, you know, you find who the people are, the people kind of look to the elder statesman or whoever has influence in those places. And you, that's where you begin to work. And it's tailored. Um, you got to know your audience. You know, if you want to go in um, and be bombastic and embarrass that person or, you know, try to use uh, the, the public forum in terms of, you know, a bully pulpit to, to show everybody you know, what a, what a, you know, dumb bastard they are. I guess that's one technique, but I don't, you know, over my course of uh, being in politics, it doesn't, doesn't work as well. If you can go in there and plant the seed and show them that you're a human being and that, you know, take them around and and, and have them meet your people. Like the, the idea of killing people with kindness is, you know, something that I've really, really latched onto. I don't think I understood it when I was a kid, when my mom and dad were telling me about it. Right. And so, to kill people with kindness is one of those things um, that is, you know, it's biblical. Uh, Martin Luther King talked about it, you know, light and love are the only thing that can drive out hate and darkness, right? And so if you can, if you can be that person where the people who are even seeing you have these conversations with that person who, who you're in opposition with, you're more likely to be successful. So, you know, everything under the sun, you know, last resort, yeah, if I, if I absolutely have to embarrass somebody... Um, it's not beneath me. I'm just, you know, like being a Marine, I, I come in with a lot of brass knuckles. There's an old saying, you know, no better friend, no worse enemy. It's like, hey, we're going to give you every opportunity to make the right decision in terms of freedom for everybody else, in terms of, you know, if there is going to be legislation, doing it quickly and getting things passed. Um, and, you know, I, I've got a lot of hope in this because when I look at what happened over this past week, um, uh, you know just a a couple of points is martha bueno if you guys don't know her she's running for uh, i think county commissioner down there in miami and she is a she is a spark plug and then uh joe jorgensen uh we come to libertarianism from completely completely different paths um you know it, that's inside baseball stuff that i don't want to bore you with but like you know we're in the middle of a hostile takeover in the lp you know i'm part of the mises caucus and you know, they are kind of more along the pragmatic lines. But in in Florida, in Miami, Bitcoin brought us together. And instead of all the the noise and the you know bullshit and personality stuff that goes along uh, with politics and all that kind of crap, like we, it was a moment of unity. Like, hey, I don't care uh, whatever you're doing, whatever your path is. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. Like, let's put that shit aside and let's focus on the mission. And, you know, it kind of kind of comes into center is like, you know, you see people with laser eyes all through the Bitcoin community. And it's, it's a cool thing. But I don't think people really understand it until you start to see what it does in terms of that laser focus for people from all different places. Like, this is it. This is the revolution. Anybody that, you know, wants freedom, wants a better life. It's like, guys, this is the re- revolution get on board and let's get focused on this one particular thing. If we can solve this, this, if we can adopt Bitcoin. If we can make this the standard, then we are going to be absolute legends if that's what you're into in terms of, you know, your legacy. But like this is, this is where you're going to make the most impact for the good of the people for a very, very long time. So that's how I see it. It's just a couple of different approaches.
0: Right. Old fashioned BTC. Good morning.
8: Hey, good morning. All Shane, man, brother, you got me fired up, man. I, I'm excited. Um, being a uh, Southern man myself, uh, I just want to ask you what kind of contact are you making with like UGA, yeah, even Auburn, my alum, uh, my, my old stomping grounds across the border. A lot of, a lot of kids there from Georgia, a lot of voters that I think you can get to uh, and they might wrap their head around Bitcoin a little bit better than some of these old uh fogies um and and i think once we plant that seed like you're saying matt that's where i I hope y'all already have some engagement set up but but just gonna see what kind of things you have going on with the colleges georgia tech all those i mean i mean make the rounds if you can because i think these kids are ready for it and and if you if we get them bitcoin first and politics second and teach them how much bitcoin will fix Without all the bullshit, you know, we, all this politics shit, being a vet myself, it just, it's like in one ear, out the other. I just don't see it any, going anywhere. So uh, I just feel like Bitcoin can fix so much. And, and man, I'm fired up for you. I'm pulling for you. I'm going to be telling my buddies back in Georgia that they better pay attention and uh cheers man you double dogs we need more of you in office if i wasn't such a misfit i'd go for it too but uh i'm a little bit uh my my checker past i'm sure would come up and my wife would beat the shit out of me so I, I gotta protect myself from my wife primarily on that one but cheers all y'all have a great morning and uh, shane man keep it going i'm pulling for you uh, yeah man reach out to those kids
1: oh man uh old-fashioned appreciate it man thanks for the smile uh if, if you're if, just side note if you guys are going to get into politics you better have your your wife or your significant other 110 percent behind you I mean absolutely um, but just just some advice and as far as the kids are concerned, um, I've got I mean I've already started reaching out and, and a lot of them have reached out to me uh, FSU Auburn, um, guys at uh, Kennesaw State here in Georgia, UGA, Georgia Tech, uh, Georgia State. Uh, it's, it's just one of those things where as we're coming into what is the primary season, which is in May here in Georgia, you know, obviously we're already in the general. Uh, so we're on the November ballot. Um, but it is still name recognition time. It is, hey, you know, why are why are the polls not including the Libertarian? Why is media trying to ignore this guy? You know, this guy's the guy that brought you guys a $100 million extra or maybe even $200 million extra the last time he ran. And you guys are going to do this kind of stuff. So, word's getting around, man. Uh, we've got some name recognition this time. Uh, to have these kids on board, uh, you know, early is really cool. Uh, it, there's a lot of energy there. And to, to have them come into this space where a lot of their peers and colleagues are absolutely slaying it already to see – a, a tomorrow for them in, in terms of you know they're not going to have to worry about Social Security and Medicare and Medicaid if they start stacking stats now to start explaining to them, hey man, uh, this, this turbulent world that they've left for you, we're going to do some major things. Like it's, I I think it's being extremely well received, and I mean just to, to point to those you know few colleges alone, uh, we're going to be traveling around for the rest of the damn year, uh, you know just getting after it, and um, imagine a lot of those guys are going to be uh, helping us canvas and, and move around the state for sure. Cheers. <laughs>
8: fix that soup sandwich for us. Uh, if we can't fix it, we got to make a grilled cheese. And I think uh, Bitcoin is the grilled cheese of all, of all grilled cheeses. So let's get it done. Y'all have a great day,
3: man. Get after it! All right, puppy. What do you got, man? Yo, what's up guys?
0: Yeah. Shane,
3: Hey, if you guys think Shane's impressive, like on here, I um, had a chance to meet him down in Miami. Just a great dude. We, we hung out quite a bit. So Shane, good to see you again, man. Um, I thought it was interesting. Um, I don't know, a few months ago, we are running across each other in, in a lot of the Bitcoin spaces. And um, I, I know you, you've been in so many that uh, I, I remember you were running one of your spaces there. And it was so cool to see I jumped in there first time. But um, I'm looking down, man, and all you see, a ton of laser eyes, a ton of laser eyes. So you're starting to get this crossover between the libertarians and, and the Bitcoiners. Uh, quite honestly, I, I try to avoid politics uh, quite a bit. But I'm curious about your thoughts, because, um, again, you're in that libertarian world um, – where, where uh, are they above, below, or where you, you think they should be in their understanding and adoption of, of Bitcoin? Or are they just still gold bug holdovers? What's the state of Libertarian Party and Bitcoin, in, in your uh, opinion?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely uh, – first of all, Pubby uh, in real life is – I'm one of the best guys ever, and I, there's a love fest, there's some bromance, and uh, I gotta tell you, like this space is just cool as hell. First and foremost, um, meet these people in this space; they are absolutely amazing. So uh, for me, uh, down here, puppy, I see this, and I was actually asked a question the other day. One of my uh, one of my now friends, uh, his name is Jake Green. He's actually putting together a um, you know a, a, a movie, a documentary on this run for governor. And he asked me the other day, he's like, you know, how does how does the uh, Bitcoin fit into libertarianism? And I said, hey, uh, you need to start considering how libertarianism is going to fit into Bitcoin. The we're, we're late. Um, we're behind. We're still arguing about politics. And over 50 years ago, the Libertarian Party was started. Uh, they're no closer now uh, to, to, you know, taking offices. Right. And So the idea that, you know, we're going to, you know, square peg round hole. That's that hubris I was talking about. And so it's, it's more or less, how do I become a bridge to bring libertarians, Mises caucus, especially the the real Austrians, the Rothbardians, the Mises, uh, you know, the Mises guys uh, from not only the Mises caucus, but Mises.org over there in Auburn. Like, how do I bring those guys into this space? How do I bring the people with some giant names in economics from those spaces into this space, because this is what we've been preaching for forever. I mean, if you read like man economy and state, if you read uh, for a new liberty, all of these, you know, the history of money, like all of these things are primer courses that these guys have been yelling about uh, for 50 fucking years. And excuse my language. It's just to the point where it's like, guys, Hey, listen, everything that you guys talk about, everything that you guys want to do, uh, these guys got the vehicle. It's a, it's a Corvette, and you know maybe if, I don't know whatever your your preference in the most badass vehicle you could possibly drive. There's a vehicle. All you got to do is get in. Get in the damn vehicle and let's learn. Let's start to, to get you spun up on this so that you can go out there and evangelize this to other people so that you can teach. So I don't know, man, to, to be, you know, a bigger name in the Libertarian Party um, and to be able to use that to bring people to Bitcoin from libertarianism, and get them focused so that they can put away all their bullshit um, and disagreements and personal stuff. I'm, I don't know, man. I'm first of all, humbled, excited. There's a lot of work to do. Uh, and I don't know, I, I need all the help I can get. So if you guys want to be part of this, man, like hit me up, I will, I will put you, (laughs) I will, I will put you in charge of whatever you need to be in charge of, uh, to start reaching out and and really, um, you know, getting the people who are already, you know, primed for this, uh, this movement.
0: All right. This has been a fantastic, so Shane, I want to thank you for spending the time with us and, and sharing with us your background. And your story and how you came to Bitcoin and your views on what you would do as governor. Um, just really appreciate it, man. So we're going to give you a couple of minutes here to, to get some closing comments and let us know, let the audience know, what can people do to help you out? If you're from Georgia, um, how do you get involved? Um, and, and how do we get this thing rocking? Cause I really, uh, I really like what you had to say today. I really hope you get elected and I really hope we can move that ball down the field.
1: Uh, and first, uh, thank you to Swan, uh, Alex, Corey, the whole crew, uh, Jacob, the producer, man, uh, that, man, you guys, to meet you guys in person, to be here, uh, what, a, what a absolutely humbling experience. I'm honored and I'm excited. Um, this, this audience can do whatever it wants. And if they decide that they want to be behind this, then, you know, there's, there's absolutely no limit to what can happen here in Georgia with this campaign. Uh, to, to, you know, to push the narrative. And I, you know, I don't know, it, it's going to be what can you do? What can you do today? What can you do tomorrow? If you want to help me, um, shanehazel.com, you can see the platform. It's all there for you. Uh, if you want to do your research on me, that's also there. All the shows that I've done, there are interviews everywhere. And I'm pretty sure you're going to find, you know, a lot of consistency in this message. Uh, I'm not the I'm not the I'm kind of got a foul mouth. Uh, I I get excited with some things. But at the end of the day, uh, I'm going to try to kill people with with peace. But, you know, there's there's some education there as well. So if you want to go there, if you want to donate to the campaign, you want to volunteer for the campaign, you can hit me up on here. There is a cash app on uh, QR code up there if that's what you want to do. But uh, I mean, whatever, whatever you guys decide to do as Bitcoiners, man, um, I, I think this is a, just a, a great opportunity for us to continue to push and c- continue to evangelize and plant seeds and, and bring people, uh, you know, like Alex says, you know, to the mission, just get them on the damn mission. So thank you guys all again. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your effort. And I've got to leave. Thank you for teaching and, and opening these spaces. Because, you know, knuckle-dragging cran-eaters, you know, like me, are the guys that need these kinds of spaces uh, more than ever. So, thank you guys all from the bottom of my heart. Real humble experience. Thank you very much. Yeah, you
0: bet, man. I, I really appreciate your story. I really do. Like, um, I look at you as a really good example of a guy who went warfighter, came back, and is now a peace fighter, understands what freedom in Bitcoin is, and is all for it. So, just appreciate you, man. You have been listening to Cafe Bitcoin. We do this every day, Monday through Friday. We start at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern. We roll for two hours. We talk about all things Bitcoin. And Corey wants to say something, so I'm going to let him go. Go ahead, Corey.
5: Yeah, I just wanted to uh, thank Gary Leland for uh, hanging out with us and, and chilling the audience. Not sure why he can't come up, and uh, he was supposed to uh, give us an update on Bitblock Boom, but I'll do my best from his website. And let everybody know that uh, August 27th, in uh, that's a Saturday, in, uh, in Dallas is Boom. It's a great Bitcoin conference. Uh, Gary Leland is a great guy. And everybody raves about that conference. So definitely check that out. It's BitBlockBoom.com. It's actually a full week of events. So there's actually stuff planned for Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, uh, leading up to the conference on Saturday. So don't miss that. And we will uh, get Gary up here one of these days, maybe next week, to uh, give us a little bit more detail on the speakers and everybody else that's going to be coming for that. And then uh, second, uh, make sure you plan for the last week of September getting out to Los Angeles, uh, catch a little bit of late summer. It's still warm out here. The Pacific Bitcoin Conference, September 29th and 30th. You can sign up for updates on that at swan.com slash packbitcoin, P-A-C-Bitcoin. You can also follow on Twitter at packbitcoin. And uh, you can join the planning groups where we're actually like hashing out details and speakers and vendors and which food trucks you want and all that kind of crap at, uh, on Telegram at t.me slash PAC Bitcoin, P-A-C Bitcoin. So I uh, hope to have that be very community inspired and kind of community led. And uh, that one should be big. It should be like three to 5,000 people is kind of our plan for uh, the Pacific Bitcoin conference.
0: Fantastic. Super looking forward to that. I've been looking at the, uh, the planning channel in, uh, in the Swan team Slack and, and the, the crazy ideas that these guys are scheming up for this thing are awesome. So I'm not going to share any of that until we know more concrete stuff, but I will tell you right now, it is going to blow your damn mind. Um, Thanks for being here. Once again, this is Cafe Bitcoin. This is a podcast. If you want to catch it, it's it's everywhere you get your podcast, whether that be Apple, Spotify, whatever. Throw me a follow. Throw a follow to Swan Bitcoin to be notified of when those drop. Thanks to everybody for being here. If you want to come and learn about Bitcoin, this is the place to be. Thanks to Swan Bitcoin, Bitcoin Magazine. Um, My crew, Aunt Shane, Sats for Life, producer Jacob Pope. Appreciate all you guys. I really want to thank the speakers who come on here on a regular basis. Who share your personal time, teach people about Bitcoin. Really appreciate what you guys do. This is what carries this whole thing forward. My name is Alex Danzik. I'm your producer. I work with Swan Bitcoin. If you're interested in Swan private, shoot me a DM. It's designed as a one-on-one kind of concierge white glove service for high net worth, ultra high net worth. If you own a business, you want to put Bitcoin on your business balance sheet. Throw us a DM. We have some of the fastest business onboarding in the entire industry, typically under one week. Sometimes I've seen it go as fast as 48 hours. Finally, get on the mission, guys. And the mission is we're moving this thing called Bitcoin forward. We're teaching everybody we possibly can about it. Swan's mission is to bring another 10 million Bitcoiners on. And uh, overall, we've got a total of about 7 billion more people on the planet to go. So we got our work cut out for us, guys. Let's get to business. I love all you guys. Everybody, go out there, have a great day, and crush it.